Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm thrilled that you have decided to give us just a small part of your week this week as we continue to explore what is a most fascinating part of public administration. But before we get into our interview this week, I do want to just draw your attention to the fact that this week, or actually next week, um, we, as in Content Group, are heading to the Association of Southeast Asian Nations PR Summit in Bali to present our research paper uh, that we've been working on with the Australian National University around this process of content communication. We've been selected from lots of submissions and we will be presenting that to the governments of the uh, Southeast Asian nations and we are particularly thrilled about that. So stay tuned for more information because I will be taking my podcasting kit with me to Bali and as I'm sitting by the pool, I'm sure I'll be able to find lots of people to speak to about this issue of communicating effectively in government as we continue to be disrupted by the massive change that's taking place with technology. But today we speak to someone who is right in the middle of it and indeed somebody who has experience in both the private and public sector. And that's Catherine Payne, who's the Executive Director of Digital and Customer Communications at the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning in the great Australian state of Victoria. Now, Catherine, her career started in politics as an advisor, but then she worked with Telstra, which is the major telecommunications company here in Australia, in both internal and external communications. A short stint for Caltech Australia. She was the head of corporate affairs at Sydney Water between 2013 and 2016. But now she is working in Victoria as the executive director, as I said, in that very important area of the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning in the Victorian government. And she joins me now. Catherine, thank you very much for joining me in transition. Thank you, Tate. David, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Now, that's a that's a great career so far in comms. You had a lot to do working in politics, working in, in the private sector. As things are working for you at the moment, what are the sort of key things that you bring to your job each day that you draw down from that experience? What are those fundamental success, you know, building blocks that you need to have in place to be effective in this day and age? Well, I think people are the key. You've got to work with great people with great capability and I'm a a great champion of my staff and I see the value of a function like ours in supporting organisations. So I'm a great passionate advocate for communications people um, with the skills and experience, whether it's through journalism or working through um, in corporations or in government, I see the value of communications in um, an era where we've got more channels and more opportunities to communicate directly with, with both the public and with key audiences and stakeholders. Do you think the leadership in your organisation and the political leadership who I'm sure you deal with uh, on a daily basis, do you think that they understand the true value that communications can bring to achieving the objectives of their organisations? 
Um, look, that's a really great question because I think it's of, often taken for granted and at times it's not brought in early enough into the decision-making and it's always at an end point where there's suddenly a panic to communicate what policy are creating or what governments are wanting to do. And I guess I see the opportunity with my experience and one of the things that appealed to me about this role was an opportunity to put back, you know, in public service you see an opportunity around, um, you know, providing something for the public good and I see an opportunity in my role to bring my experience in years of service to apply that into creating something better because there's a lot of debate about the, the, the value that, you know, governments in terms of how they're communicating in an age where you've got mobile technology, social media, and people and audiences have more opportunity to just communicate directly. And yeah. so citizens have really got unlimited access to information. And what is our role? Our role has changed in the last 20-odd years. And we have to do an even better job and show our value even more to government. But I think governments around the world are seeing that when they're not communicating well, the impacts that has on their longevity and their ability to have impact. So in terms of that particular... Because I think you put, you know, the finger you know, right on the problem uh, around this notion of um, communications as a consideration early in, in the process. And indeed, um, WPP, regular listeners to this podcast, um, will know that I refer to this research all the time done by w WPP, uh, their government and public sector people. And they identified that as a particular problem, that communications was still seen um, across the world, really, as the car wash or the colouring in department, you know, on the way out, just pretty it up for us because, you know, we just need to get it out the door. So besides leveraging your experience and your reputation, how, how can organisations go about perhaps um, you know, a, a process to to get invited to the table earlier than they are at the moment. So rather than relying just on, on the strength of personality and experience, but how can we change the way that we tell the story of communications so as that people say, well, you know, when these meetings start, when people start to analyse what those problems are, that they look around the table and they say, you know, where are the communications people? We need them right now. Mm. Um, well, I think about this every day in my role and in all my roles. And to me, it's about our function has to move from reactive to proactive. And in government, you are very reactive to the latest, you know, news story or governments, you know, react to what they hear, the polls, whatever it might be. And so often we're very last minute. We're asked to do things very quickly. You know, we can do multiple events. We do something like 400 events a year in this department alone, supporting four ministers. We're very busy. And that ability to, to try and find a way to get above the noise and have more planning, forward planning, thinking about the big agendas. I look at the forward cabinet program. I look at the different areas of the um, department, whether it's water planning, environment, climate change, whatever, and look at what their forward plan looks like in terms of government announcements, initiatives, legislation, and then look back at my team and go, how are we going to work better? So one of my jobs in the last year when I, since I've been here is to look at the capability of my team, the way we're engaging with the want from us, what do the ministers want, and everybody wants us to be more strategic and more proactive, and I go, well, that's great, but what is that? And again, with my team, I basically 
had a complete review of my people. And because we don't use a lot of consultancies, we do a lot of our work in-house, have I got the right skills and capability to support that vision of being more proactive and looking ahead? What are the communication topics where we can engage and educate and be more informative? And there's other things that I know, whether it's an issue, you have to be reactive. So I built a team that has a partnering model with the business that's about building trust, getting them in at the front end, sitting at the table, being in the discussions and the planning. I have an issues management crisis team that are set up as specialists. I have a content newsroom that's about how do we produce content for our channels and get that out through the channels. So we think holistically about everything is about you know content so I've got more journalism skills in that component of the the team and then I have a media events team which is the day-to-day -day keeping the ministers supported and happy the policy areas making sure that we're dealing with the inquiries from the journalists which is really important are we responsive quickly timely giving them the information they need. We spend a lot of time working back into the business to get the answers. And then we have to put a level of trying to put some plain English and unpack sometimes technical information to make it more user-friendly for our audience. So there's a lot there. And then I've also been quite fortunate in this department to have a customer centre. And, you know, not many comms functions have that in their portfolio, but I see it as a huge opportunity to actually understand what customers are calling about and understand how we can share that back into the policy areas and then have that inform the way we communicate and the kinds of messages that we package up. So, again, the customer service centre and the digital capability, which is why I've called our team a digital customer communications team. So we're experimenting with something quite different to just providing a basic communication service we're saying we can do more and we see we have an opportunity in this era of mobile technology and social media to provide better content earlier educate audiences more than we have and we're so we're at you know three and a half months into the new operating model in our department and how's it going well, I'm excited. It's a huge change. Um, I have a lot of new staff um, because we did go through quite a transformation and some people left us and, and new people are coming in. And it's it's massive. And I have to say the executive of the department have been hugely supportive of the vision that I sold in about providing a different type of government communication. And I have been very well supported and given the trust of the executive to have a go and do something slightly different. And I'm seeing some real energy and excitement. And, you know, I spend a lot of my time as a tutor, supporting and coaching, mentoring. And what I'm all about is team collaboration and, co and then partnering with the both the minister's offices and the business, the policy areas to show that we can add even more value. And I'm watching our social presence. We've redone our websites. We have 17 websites with that big. And how do we manage that? The volume and breadth and depth of content here is quite significant and not unique. There are some very big departments in Victoria, so we're not one of the biggest, but we certainly are, are big. So what is working well for you at the moment? 
Well, I'm excited. I'm seeing much more team collaboration rather than siloed communications activity. And that means we're leveraging whether it's multimedia skills. I brought some, you know, skills in today because we know that video is a very important part of a storytelling. Pictures and stories um, have to go together. And I'm encouraging us to think about creative content and simple <coughs> English writing, you know, that journalism, bringing journalism and back into the corporate communications function and, and thinking about how I leverage expertise. So I'm seeing my team, you know, standing at whiteboards, working together, not sitting at a computer and just writing messaging, sharing, um, talking to one another. And at Sydney Water, my last role, we had a lot of success in moving from reactive to proactive. And when you start to move a team to think more ahead and to forward plan, you start to see their creativity and their ideas and their connection to, you know, they're all citizens. They go home every day. They listen to their families and friends. They they get a sense of what people want to know about. And sometimes you come to work and you get caught up in the day and you actually don't bring all those best ideas and thinking to the table. And I'm saying I want my team to think about how they communicate and the audiences we're communicating with and do a better job of that. So I'm seeing some great examples in Victoria. We had recently um, some Metropolitan Assemblies, which is a new initiative of the government. And we had someone out with a camera beaming back into our social channels live some of the commentary from the citizens working with the minister and some of the policy people to come up with how to make the city, um, some of the suburbs really uh, be particularly Participating in the, you know, the development of their suburbs as part of the livability agenda, and um, it was great to see my people both being more active, getting out, and supporting the business and communicating live in real time back into um, the channels. And we're getting great response and participation through that activity. So there's some really interesting new things going on that I think we can do even more of. Okay, and so what's not working or what has surprised you in this transition um, from the traditional model to the new model? Because what you've described is ultimately the capability that every government agency, you know, whether it's in Australia, every country in the world really needs to make this transition, hence the name of the podcast, In Transition. Um, but what are the things that so far that, that, that are the really knotty problems that are, are going to take a while for you to, to manage that transition? Well, change is hard. So when you're asking people to operate slightly differently and in, and it is a reactive culture and a reactive organisation dealing with today's needs, so how do you help your team to find the space in that pressure to think forward plan? And I built a structure and a model that is trying to put that ability in by having forward planners and, and, and having specialist capability. But every day I think about the change program that I'm implementing because this will take a couple of years to embed. I have to manage my stakeholders, communicate transparently and regularly with them to help them understand how it's going. I've done roadshows, talked to a lot of people 
and with my directors we're out selling it within the organisation because they're going, it sounds good, but will it work? Am I going to get the service I need? At a perception level, some are saying, well, I used to have three people, now I only have one. I say to them, you have one direct contact, but you have the whole team. We are all here to support you, but you have an interface with one individual into my team, so you know who to go to, but then they then leverage the expertise and capability. So when we go back and we sit at the table and talk strategy, they might bring me in, they might bring in one of the social team, or they may bring in an issues crisis person. You know, energy is a huge um, conversation in Australia at the moment. And I have a team that I think every day when I read the papers, energy is going to be a big issue with fire through the summer. How are we preparing in advance to ensure we are set up for success to support both the ministers and the policy areas and the government? So I think ahead and I then look at how I mobilise my team so they are going okay we have to trust Catherine she has a clear vision and we're going to give it a go I meet we have workshops we um, celebrate success I have the team come in and share every fortnight what they're doing that celebrates virtual teaming working how we're working with policy and leveraging the capability across the team and I'm seeing things but it's a day in day out investment of time energy and enthusiasm you have to be positive 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 reinforce the good and then deal with as quickly as you can things you see that aren't working because it's interesting isn't it that that issue of you are taking something away from me you are taking a resource away from me you know, traditionally for example in a in a line area or in a branch um, if they feel that something has been taken away from them, that they may not be um, as enthusiastic. And I've seen that so often. So is, is it just a pure matter of continuing uh, to communicate, to engage, but then to obviously demonstrate the success of the new model that, that, that brings people along? Well, I think success is the best um, best advocate um, and experience if people experience us differently like I always say to my team no one ever wants to hear no they want you to say yes and how I can help you and I think we have to be a culture and a mindset of we are going to be responsive can do people we're here to help we're here to add value and that's what I'm about. You know, I say to my team every day, that's why I'm in open plan is I sit with my people. We are one, we sit together, we eat together. You know, we do a lot of things that is about building a collaborative, connected team. I have a call centre at Ballarat. You know, now I have a video ability. We're going to be able to talk and see each other. I go up to Ballarat on the train. My team have all got to get to know that centre and see its value because sometimes... You know, if you're a communicator and you work, you can work in the metro part of Sydney or Melbourne or wherever you are, and you just sit at your desk and you get take phone calls and you do your job. Well, I'm trying to say to my team, we've got to be thinking more like journalists and, you know, um, information is what informs how you do your job. Are you connected to the right people? Are they knowing who you are? to understand what we're about. We've implemented things like service level agreements where we're saying to the business, what do you need from us? And this is what we can do. And then we're building dashboards to report on our delivery and, you know, also what we learn. So we might be involved in a project and say, well, that didn't go quite the way we 
thought it should, we could have done better. We want to have those conversations and provide that in insight. So there's a lot here in terms of new effort and new activity, not just producing cons. It's about a way of working, I think. And I've seen this work. And my last job at Sydney Water, I moved it to a point where they've been winning awards for their Wet Wipes in Pipes campaign, which was about moving a team from reactive to proactive and identifying opportunities to get on the front foot, link into customer interests, because customers became advocates for that program. It was all done through social. And what I saw is my team grew in expertise and confidence through the experience of that program. And so I say to the team here is, trust me, we can do this. It might seem hard, but the benefits and upside of working as a team to deliver on something bigger is just so exciting. And when you see it work, it is just I'm just, yeah, it works and it's so so exciting to be part of something where you can add that value both to an organisation and back into customers and their experience of an organisation. Mm. Now, interestingly, you mentioned that notion of change, which obviously is ever present and, you know, again, I think change is with us now or probably has always been with us, but it's now identified as our companion from now into the future. In terms of your change program, uh, is that are you working with the, the HR department as well or the change management people within the department to, to, to change other things other than just the work practices and the things that you can control on a day-to-day -day basis? Yes, um, definitely. And, you know, we're probably our change capability, and I think um, most executives here would agree, isn't well developed. Um, so I, I certainly, um, we, we're conscious of how important this is and, you know, comes down to things from looking at both the, the job roles. I personally, with one of my directors, wrote every job role again um, for the team and there was about 40 of them and we then did the financials we looked at the performance plans the clarity you know because one of the issues when um mostly people who uh can often be in roles for a long time is that there's a lack of role clarity there's a lack of certainty about what it is i'm here to do so are you clear about what people are required to do and do they have a sense of what good looks like what is it that you know, performance standards, what are they? So we've done a lot of work to really be clear about the expectations in roles. We've put them up on walls so everyone could go and look. We did things called thumbnails, which was to be even more specific about the the level of accountability across teams and how they were to work together. We've done a lot of tutorials and coaching sessions and they're ongoing. And then I do team lunches where I sit down and I hear the questions that uh, people are asking. You know, they'll say, well, we don't quite understand how or how to do this differently. And some people were just expecting us to give them a roadmap of A to Z of how to do everything. And there's an element of we've done a lot to pre-prepare for the launch of the model in July, but also I'm saying I want you to help solve some of these things. Um, as we learn and we keep moving through the change, we're learning too about things we didn't maybe anticipate. How do we adapt and how do we fix and grow? And so there's like, you know, next week I'm having the team come together. The managers meet quarterly 
and they're having to uplift their capability as managers, as people managers. If you're a people manager, you have to think about your people. You have to have an operating rhythm around your people. You can't just do work. You have to have a strategic component. You have to plan. And then we have a shared calendar where everything is planned out and we then have the opportunity to think ahead. So the change program has many components. Um, and I've really spent a lot of time with my leadership trying to work through the elements of that. The accountabilities are shared. So some people are leading on different components of the change. And then, you know, things like the importance of a social committee, the team having fun, the team celebrating success, the reward and recognition. It is those things that motivate people and understanding the motivations. Some people are motivated by getting a thank you. Some people need to be given something more meaningful. Um, I have coffees with individuals. Um, I encourage that kind of connection between the leader. I mean, my, my title might sound fancy, executive director, but I see my role as being the champion and advocate of the team every day that I'm at work, and I'm excited by that. I invite leaders. Other, My deputy secretary, Catherine Anderson, comes in and speaks to the team at our brainstorm on a Monday. I invite other executives in so that my team are feeling supported not just by me but by the leaders of the organization okay well that sounds that sounds good advice and really to understand that any transition needs to be managed comprehensively and at the when it's all said and done it's motivating people and people get motivated when they're clear and they understand um, you know, the structure, the value, the culture and their role in it and what they are expected to do on a daily basis. So it sounds like you've got all of that sorted out. But, but I, I'm interested, i just pick up a couple of quick things um, just before we finish, a couple of questions. And this goes to, the, I suppose the first one goes to this notion of reactive versus proactive. And, the you know, the famous saying from um, Mike Tyson, uh, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So what happens when that, you know, all of a sudden the, something's gone wrong, it's reactive, reactive, reactive. Is that why you've put that issues and crisis sort of function in there? Because rather than disturbing everybody, they just disturb those people who are dealing with that particular crisis as, as it may come. Because in government, as we know, there are crises every day of the week. Definitely. So I have a, and I've built this out over many years of learning in the roles I've had. But for me, there's three components in the way I think. One is around promote, one is about protect, and one is about engage. And I always come back to that model, and I think I've shared it on LinkedIn, but it's a very simple model. It's saying there's a component of our work that is about promote. And you can, you know, define what that is. But that, to me, is the forward planning and getting ahead in conversations and having more of a marketing campaign kind of mindset. Protect is about we're protecting the reputation of the organisation and we have a huge role and responsibility to support organisations and government in that. What does that mean? What are the skills and capabilities and the preparedness? I have a risk reputation register where we list all the identified issues we see, we know of. Yes, you get surprised, things come out of nowhere, but your level of preparedness and now allows you 
to do a better job knowing that you've got the skills capability and the way of mode of operating to deal with protect engage very important that's about staff staff in communications in organizations really important that internal communications have you linked in your staff do your staff know what's happening early enough are they connected so i would say engage with staff number one engage with your stakeholders have you thought about your stakeholders what do they need to know and so i always think if we always stay true to this principle and criteria promote protect engage which i see as my reputation model of which i'm driven by every day in the way i operate with my team we are going to be able to handle whatever is thrown at us as best we can excellent and a, a final question perhaps around then this notion of um you know, going right back to the beginning where we discussed this sense of, you know, comms not quite being at that point of origination, that point of, uh, you know, policy development where problems are being discussed uh, and and solutions are being uh, created perhaps without the input at an early enough point in time. So um, just maybe some insights then about how this model, and, and again, just going back to that point, really not just about reputation, but how can we embed that? How can we make sure that those people think that comms is a far more strategic function as opposed to a tactical function? Well, I think you've got to show that your communication team has the skills and expertise to operate in a way that's effective for them in a rapidly changing environment at times. So for me, it's about showing that we have the capability and the you know, can-do, responsive, um, advisory to be the trusted advisor. And once you establish yourself as someone, you know, as a team that is reliable, dependent, service-oriented and delivers you build trust and engagement. And what I've seen is that if you are consistent in the experience you offer, the more they bring you to the table. And one of the things that I see as critical is I'll be delivering my first uh, scorecard of performance at the end of the quarter, sort of end of September, early October, and I will go around and talk to every area that we service and say, you know, this is what we've delivered at the beginning. We obviously want to do better, but here's a, some examples of the things we're doing that you may not even necessarily know. So reporting on what we do and giving feedback and receiving feedback is absolutely critical to building trust and engagement and that seat at the table. Excellent. Well, Catherine, sounds like you've got it pretty well under control <laughs> down there at the uh, um, Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. And it sounds like really that, you know, that mode of operation is really, um, you know, the foundations are in place. And as you say, you're, you're getting around there to do your, uh, to get your first report card, I suppose. How, how, how do you think you're going to go across all of those areas that you've outlined? Where, where, where are the work-ons? Where are the things that you think you're going to have to improve? Well, I think it's about um, giving confidence. I think we've got a way to go in terms of showing um, more than examples of projects, but a consistency, because we've been hiring people. So, you know, the team have gone through transition of where people have left, people coming in. So we're building up the capability to deliver. So the first report card will be we're in, we're having a go. These are the early signs of success. The business are going to say, yes, but what about me? You do lots of service 
service, there's lots of things going on. How do you give me what I need at the right level? Some will say they want more strategic advice, some want more delivery um, and doing. And again, it's about their understanding of the function. Some of them just want us to do things that need to be done on a daily basis rather than the strategic work where we're saying we want to be very much delivering but to a strategic work area. And I think, you know, we're going to get a mixed response, I would expect, from the first report card, but a sense of we trust you, we're going to give you a go, we'll see how this goes. And we just have to, you know, keep persevering and be consistent in the experience we offer. Just before I do let you go, sorry, one more question. It's really around, I have this theory that, the function of communications will increasingly devolve um, from the centre to the edges because citizens will require information much faster than a centralised model will be able to uh, deliver that so that there will always be that role for the um, the trusted advisor, the expert, the guide that sits at the centre, but perhaps that capability and skill will need to be at the edges. What's your view on that? I agree. I think, um, you know, we are a capability that supports people at the coalface. And I know in our department, we have a huge regional network of staff. More than half the department are in the regions. And we have a regional communications team that sits in another part of the business. We connect in regularly, daily with them. They are at the coalface dealing with the citizens. And our job is to ensure that we are connected, forward planned together. So that's about that strong collaboration and enabling staff to be good communicators and to be able to use the channels. So we train our people um, in digital channels um, and they're not, you know, they have communications in their roles but they are there whether it's community engagement roles or, um, you know, regional delivery roles. They all are out there communicating with stakeholders and customers every day. Our job is to support them and enable them with the right messaging, the thinking, the ability to use the channel. So we've been doing a big social media training program across our department to support people to be able to share the photos and the stories. You don't have to be in communications to communicate. But the value of our function, whether it's centrally or decentralised, and sometimes it's a mix for good reason and should be, but we have a role to enable the people in the departments and organisations to communicate better and more effectively with their audiences. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Catherine. I will let you get back to your extremely busy job. And thank you very much for sharing um, the insights of your particular story, because I know our audience will be um, fascinated um, with that experience and drawing on your experience and knowledge and the skills that you have. And indeed, the attitude. I think that emphasis that you place on people is often lost when we start to get too tactical, um, rather than remembering that really, you know, the business that we're in is motivating people to, to give their best effort every day. So thank you very much for joining us in this week's edition of In Transition. And to you, the audience, thank you very much for coming back once again. But I look forward to joining you again at the same time next week. But for now, it's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.